And welcome to another episode of Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart. I am your host, Karen Litzy. Thank you all for joining in. If you are repeat listeners, thanks for coming back. And if you're new, welcome to the show. Um, so today, uh, I'm getting back into a little more business talk, so the business side of physical therapy. So a couple of weeks ago, I sort of asked listeners really what they were most interested in or what they would really like to hear, and an overwhelming number of people wanted to talk about the business end of physical therapy. So today, I'm going to do just that, and today we're really going to be focusing on uh, a cash-based physical therapy business, and we'll get all into that and what that means with my two guests today. I'm very happy to have on the show. One is Alan Besselink, and he is an Austin physical therapist, endurance sports coach, educator, and the author of Run Smart, A Comprehensive Approach to Injury-Free Running. He is the director of Smart Sport International in Austin and one of 350 practitioners worldwide who have attained the diploma in mechanical diagnosis and therapy from the McKenzie Institute in International, which is the highest level of training in the McKenzie method. And in his 25 years as a physical therapist, he has lectured extensively on a variety of topics, including MDT, functional anatomy, clinical reasoning, sports medicine, and has been writing a blog since 2006, which can be found at www.allenbesselink.com. And we'll repeat all of, all of that uh, later on in the show. And my second guest is Anne Wendell. And Anne holds a BS in PE studies with a concentration in athletic training from the University of Delaware, a master's in physical therapy from the University of Maryland at Baltimore. She is a certified athletic trainer licensed in Virginia, uh, licensed physical therapist, certified myofascial, tr myofascial trigger point therapist. And she completed intensive training as a Thai yoga therapist, reaching the advanced level in her course study. She's owned and operated a private practice in Alexandria, Virginia, combining yoga, Thai massage, physical therapy, and Pilates. And from 2007 to 2011, she was a staff physical therapist at Commonwealth Orthopedics. She has completed 300 hours of her Pilates teacher training program through Core Dynamics Pilates and returned to private practice in 2011 and treats patients in several locations in Northern Virginia. So, Alan and Anne, hello. Welcome to the show. Thank you for taking the time out for co and coming on today. Hi, Karen. Thanks, Karen. Thanks a lot. Great. So, Karen, good to be here. Great, great. So let's sort of get right in because we got a lot of stuff to cover today. And I also have a lot of questions, you know, some questions that I sort of sent along. We've got a lot of Twitter questions as well. So uh, we've got a lot to kind of cover, but the first question I have, and it's a question that I get asked a lot, is what is a cash-based physical therapy practice? How do you, what, what defines a cash-based business? I get a lot of people ask me that question, so I'm going to ask it of you guys. So, um, Anne, why don't you start off and, and take that question first? So, you know, what defines a cash-based physical therapy practice? Sure. Um, well, I don't have people actually handing me cash, although that might be kind of nice. But what it, what it means for me is that um, my patients all pay up front at the time of service. So when a patient comes in for an evaluation or a treatment, they pay um, at the time of service, uh, usually with a credit card. Um, I can also take health savings account cards and um, checks, obviously. So they pay a set price per treatment, and then I give them an itemized invoice that they can submit for reimbursement from their insurance company. Right. And, Alan, do you sort of run yours about the same? It sounds very similar, actually. Uh, That's a concept uh, in terms of the terminology is almost a bit of a misnomer. Um, I would just look at it in terms of uh, maybe perhaps non-insurance-based mm -hmm. um, would probably be a better description. Uh, but as far as uh, how the, the patient is, uh, is billed and how I receive reimbursement, I would have to agree with And uh, it, it, it functions in a very similar fashion. And what... Why did you decide to go this route? Because I think a lot of people may find that to be a risky move. What happens if you can't find people who are willing to pay up front? So why did you decide to, to go the route of sort of a non-traditional or non-insurance-based uh, practice? And, and I'll, any one of you can kind of chime in there. 
Well, I think um, I'll, I'll just take a stab at it first, and then Alan can, can you know, um, I think you have to know the area where you live and um, the clientele you're looking for. Um, you know, around here, I live in the D.C. area. We have a high population of highly educated, motivated, hardworking people who tend to take care of themselves and seek out um, quality care, whatever the service is, physical therapy, uh, personal training, hairstylist, whatever. So for me, I knew that that market of people who would go outside of their insurance company was there, and I think that's very important for people to know. Um, I mean, you could try to do this anywhere, but you're you're going to have to make sure that people are going to come. Um, and and I, for me, it was really not even a consideration to take insurance. I like keeping the business small. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just me, and I don't have a billing staff or office staff. So in order to keep it small and keep it the way I wanted to, I couldn't take insurance. And, you know, luckily that's worked out. But you're right, there's a risk. And um, I think you have to be ready for not having patients on your schedule for the first few weeks, which Mm -hmm. is a scary thought. Yeah. Yeah. And how about you, Alan? What made you sort of, because I'm assuming, or maybe you have been doing this for 25 years, or did you used to take insurance and then has switched over to, you know, this kind of non-insurance-based practice? Karen, I've seen all all sides of that equation, actually. Yeah. Uh, I've worked for myself since 2004, and when I first started, I actually continued to be a part of uh, a number of insurance plans at the time. Uh, but as Ann made mention of, it uh, is very difficult to do that as a sole practitioner. Mm-hmm. I did not want to have a staff of people specifically to uh, to seek out reimbursement from insurance uh, or third-party payers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted to be able to have uh, direct care with the patient, my time with them, uh, and, and reimbursed uh, for that service directly. So... In some ways, it was uh, a means of going down a new path, but in other ways, it was avoiding the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that you really just, uh, in many ways, trying to avoid a number of the, um, you know, the layers of uh, perhaps uh, best described as aggravation uh, and, and certainly staffing uh, to be able to accomplish it. Yeah, yeah, I agree, and and I think now um, might be a. a time to ask a question from Twitter. Sorry, you guys did not get this one beforehand, but um, it is from Zach, uh, Zach Dumel. Hopefully, again, I'm not butchering his name. Um, but his question is, and I think it's fitting for, for this point in the discussion, is do you have any recommendations for a student physical therapist who wants to open a non-insurance-based practice? And how how could he prepare differently as far as, because most of us graduate and go to work for a clinic. So what is your, I mean, I know probably what my best advice would be, but I'll I'll give that kind of after you guys. But how do you feel like a student physical therapy needs to prepare themselves differently for this type of, of a practice? And, and what, what would your recommendations be to a student? Uh, So Alan, I'll have you kind of start. Karen, I, I would strongly urge a student to not go down that road right away. Yeah. Um, and not because it's a bad road to go down or because there's any more risk involved. I mean, there's risk everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there is a significant value to uh, tying up your skill set, uh, to really being able to uh, to perceive yourself as uh, a student. Uh, practitioner uh, as opposed to a student under an independent practitioner. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that there's a certain mindset involved there that really needs to be solidified uh, or would benefit from being solidified prior to ever even going down that road. Uh, I always go back to my own personal experience, which was to work in a small community hospital where there were literally two rotations, inpatient, mm-hmm. outpatient. Mm. Um, and I did that for a year just to pull all these things together that were floating around. And then you start to think, okay, so now how do I, how do I fit? Right, right. And Anne, how about you? Well, first, I, I got to give a shout out to Zach because I've talked to him on Twitter. And oh. I got to say this kid's like on fire because um, I think he's not even quite started PT school yet. Okay. And, so the fact that um, the fact that 
the younger therapists and the, the kids who are in school are thinking this way is really exciting to me. Mm-hmm. And I say kids because I feel like I'm an old person <laughs> these days on Twitter. But, um, you know, I just think it's great. I wasn't thinking like this as a student. Um, but I would agree with Alan. I think that, you know, it's great to have that drive and that motivation. But I used to manage a staff of nine at my last job. Wow. And the therapist who who had been traveling therapist or maybe hadn't been mentored properly, there's a big difference between mm-hmm. um, their, you know, their evaluation skills, their treatment, um, their documentation, their ability to interact with other people and work as part of a team. So I think you need to, like Alan said, kind of have some of that stuff nailed down. And you know, also a little bit of life experience, mm-hmm. too, before you decide to go out on your own because you're building your brand and you're building relationships, and that's right. how you're going to get your business. So you need to be um, ready, you know, to do that. Yeah, I agree. And and it kind of takes me back to the interview I had with Larry and Jerry um, a couple of weeks ago. And one of the, that sounds like a comedy troupe, but one of it the, does, well, you know, it kind of is. Well, it kind of is. That's true. Um, <laughs> that's true. It kind of is. Um, but w- their number one thing is to sort of, and I think Jerry said this, is to find a mentor. And, and right. Anne, you just sort of said that again. So I think as a student just graduating, I agree. I mean, I think it's great to have the enthusiasm to want to go out and to really, you know, be put yourself out there, but I think it's important to give yourself a couple of years of, of training, find yourself a good mentor, go to a lot of continuing education classes. And, and I think also when you're taking, at least this is because I, I have a cash-based practice as well. And I think when you're taking that sort of, when you're or a non-insurance base, but um, I feel like you really need to have those interpersonal skills with you and your patient and to really and some people have that naturally some people kind of have it naturally but you need practice with it and so I think as a as a new graduate at least from what I can remember when I was a new graduate I wasn't quite there yet and so it takes some time Mm -hmm. to kind of get those interpersonal skills because that's one of the biggest things when you're treating your patients, I, I, I think, in a, in a cash-based realm. I don't know. What, what do you guys think? I think the, the mentorship aspect is huge. Yeah. Uh, that certainly wasn't something that I thought of 25 years ago uh, as a new grad, but uh, now that I've worked with students and certainly worked with uh, other colleagues and that sort of thing, I, I think that that really uh, is an important piece of the puzzle mm-hmm. in with the with the the thought of going into your own business, you know, having a business mentor mm-hmm. um, who may be a clinician as well, or maybe not, right, uh, right, is is very valuable. Yeah, and 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 I agree, and and I think Jerry said last time, you know, it doesn't have to necessarily be someone in the physical therapy world as far as the business end of it, but I think it, as far as Zach is concerned, and and Anne, I agree. I think it's amazing to even think that way as a student, because I agree. I I don't think I was thinking that way. I was just thinking, crossing my fingers, saying, "Please pass my boards, please pass <laughs> my boards, please pass my boards." You know, and then it please was. Please let me pass neuroanatomy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it wasn't like, oh, I'm gonna open up my own cash-based business when I graduate. Um, but I, I, right. you know, I think we can all sort of agree and to answer Zach's question what is the best piece of advice or recommendation is to get a couple of years under your belt really hone your skills both physical therapy skills clinical skills and your interpersonal skills and find a good mentor who could help with business because that is one thing we do not learn in PT school you know so that, I, I mean, I think Definitely. we're sort of all in agreement on that to answer his question. And on that, we're going to take a quick break. Everybody will be right back and we'll talk a little bit about the pros and cons of a non-insurance-based practice. So everybody stay tuned. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. Are you confused about which diet is right for you? Are you tired of being tired? How about improving your energy, strength, and appearance? Hi, 
I'm Rika Keck, a holistic nutrition and wellness consultant. If you have answered yes to any of my questions, contact me now at nyintegratedhealth.com or at 646-285-8588. Initiate change and transform your life. Are you concerned about the future of your business or career? Would you like it all to just be better? Well, the way to do that is through better communication. And the best way to do that is training from the team at Improving Communications. This is Larry Sharp, host of the Ivory Tower Radio Program and director at Improving Communications. Does your office need better leadership, customer service, sales, or maybe better writing or speaking skills? Could they be better at dealing with confrontation, conflicts, and touchy subjects? All are covered here at Improving Communications. If you're in the New York City area, stop by one of our public classes or get your human resources in touch with us. The website is improvingcommunications.com. That's improvingcommunications.com. Improve your professional environment. Be more effective. Be happier and make more money. Improving communications. That's the answer. Hey, all you crazy listeners. Looking to boost your business? Why not advertise on Talking Alternative with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply email at info at talkingalternative.com. Welcome back to Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart right here on TalkingAlternative.com. Today I'm joined by uh, two great physical therapists. I'm joined by Alan Besselink. And if you're on Twitter, his Twitter handle is at A Besselink. And I also am joined by at Prana PT, which is probably what most people know Ann Wendell as. Um, and that is her Twitter handle as well. So if anyone, we're talking sort of cash-based PT businesses or non-insurance-based businesses today. So if anyone has any questions, they can call in at 877-480-4120. So Ann, let me start with you. What would you say if you could pick a, the biggest pros and the biggest cons of running a cash-based business? What would they be? Um, that's a good question. I, I think that probably um, it would be the same answer as you know opening any small business. And so if you've never run a business before, um, there's definitely a lot of things you need to consider. I mean, the obvious pros are that you're your own boss mm-hmm. and um, you can set your own schedule, although I always joke that that means I can work any 18 hours out of the day that I want. Mm-hmm. You know, it you're al- time you're it always is. your worst so boss. You, you definitely, you have to know that you're going to be putting a lot of time and effort into it yeah. and you have to be okay with that and that, that really should energize you. Um, so, you know, the pros, obviously, the flexibility, getting to call the shots, um, you know, the financial incentive that if you're going to be working and making money, you should, you know, think about doing it for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, the cons are that when you're not with a patient, you're not getting paid yep. um, unless you have people working for you. Um, you know, if, if it's summertime, you know, in August, everybody in D.C. gets the heck out of town. Mm-hmm. And so August is usually a pretty um, slow month. So, you know, there's things to take into consideration with that. But, Obviously, I think the benefits outweigh the negatives. Um, but for people who haven't uh, run a business before, you definitely are going to be working a lot harder than you ever have before. Yes, yes. And how about you, Alan? What are your big pros and cons? Well, and you did such a great summary on that. I can just say uh, what she said. <laughs> uh, I think that that I would have to agree with her um, 100%. Uh, the pros certainly uh, being your own boss, uh, making the decisions that impact uh, the business without a doubt. Uh, the cons, I mean, with, without question, you have to be you have to be prepared uh, for the the potential fiscal uh, ramifications of having quiet time or downtime. But I think that um, along with those is, is the the perceived. Uh, stress can go with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I have found uh, in, over time is that 
as soon as I get concerned about the phone not ringing, it rings. So I've stopped being concerned about the phone ringing. That's very true. <laughs> Thank you. Very um, true. Because it's very, very easy to get drawn into that because you now have only your, obviously, your, uh, your, um, your in your financial independence, but uh, but you have a lot more in it in terms of uh, your perhaps your your own personal brand, I guess, mm-hmm. and um, that can be very that can be very challenging emotionally. Uh, so I do think that there are, are many pros, but I, I think that there are a few little cons that are not necessarily uh, deal breakers. But if you go in knowing that, mm-hmm. uh, then I think you can manage the situation much, much more effectively. Yeah, I, I agree. And I mean, I I think it's it's funny that you said when you start worrying about the phone not ringing, it rings, or when you stop worrying about it. And I think that's also, if you go into it, like Anne said, at the end of August in D.C., everybody gets out of town. It's the same thing here in New York City. You know, like around Christmas, it's pretty dead. Around August, it's pretty Mm -hmm. dead. So what I usually do is I just go in with the mindset that, listen, these are going to be my down times. And whereas, let's say, I think two years ago, I'd be stressing out like, oh, my God, I only saw three patients today and normally I'm seeing eight. Mm -hmm. You know, and so mm-hmm. that stress does not help your business. It doesn't help you, and it doesn't help you when you're treating the patients that are there. And so I think right. it's important to go in with that, knowing that you're going to have ups and downs at certain times of the year. So, for instance, right now, I happen to be like working my butt off, seeing <laughs> 30 to 35, and I do home care, home visits a week. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Because, yeah, it's crazy. But I know in June it's going to thin out. So if you go in knowing, and Anne, you said you're going to work harder than you ever will. So if you go with that mindset that, hey, listen, there's going to be times where you're working your butt off. You, maybe you don't take the vacation you wanted to, or maybe you can't do X, Y, and Z. But I know at the end of August or middle of August, I'm going to be, like, d- relaxing. You know, so I think it's good. And I think, too, that we all do other things. Um, Alan's much better about blogging regularly than I am. But for me, I tend to, when things are quieter, I'll get a lot of writing done. Um, I'll stack up, you know, blog posts or go out and do other things, visit doctors and, you know, just things like that. Or just take a little break. Yeah. So when the phone's ringing and the patients are wanting to get in, you don't say no. You keep going. Oh, no. <laughs> you just no, no, no. You're going to get a break. Yeah, I never say mm-hmm. no. I'm never like, sorry, well, too busy. No, you make it work. Right. Yeah, go One ahead, One of the things Alan. that you brought up, Ann, is, is uh, you mentioned that you'll work harder than you ever have. And I, I think that I would, uh, I, I, I would suggest that it's not necessarily harder as much as it's harder in different ways. Mm. Uh, it's probably not as hard uh, in some ways as being in a busy outpatient clinic where you've got a, a group of people that are working with you, perhaps PT assistants, techs, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, and you're just flying through a schedule every day. It's not that kind of hard. Right. It's definitely hard, uh, hard work to, to continue to uh, promote your business, but that's a different kind of difficult. It's, uh, Karen's like you said, they don't teach you these things in school. Yeah. I'm not sure that even if we sat down and thought about what they should have in school, if it would ever teach you what it's like to just go hang yourself out there and, mm-hmm. and go for it. Yeah. And, and, mm-hmm. and what, I think, you know, what might be a better term is maybe you're not so much working harder. You might be working longer, but I think you're working smarter. Smarter. And, you, you know, know, I think for me, um, and Alan kind of touched on this, what it is really is that you never stop thinking about it. Mm-hmm. And that's the difference. Um, yeah, that's when I, true. Even when I was busy managing a clinic, I would leave it at work. I was that's done right. when I was done, and I'd come home, and I didn't deal with anything on the weekend. Mm-hmm. Whereas when it's your business, you know, you're answering emails at 9 o'clock at night, yep. or you're coming in on a Saturday to see a patient. And when yep. you're not doing patient <laughs> care, you're thinking, what's the next? blog post, what's the next marketing strategy, what's this, you know, so you just never, and then I've had to work on that and train myself for that to kind of make myself stop and do other things, and luckily I have kids and they keep me busy, but um, yeah, you can get totally wrapped up in it, and you can't let yourself do that. Yeah, no, that's true, I think it's important to take, if not a whole day, at least a half a day, just to yourself, you know, 
And that might be, you know, going out with friends or going to a spa or going to the gym or something where you can kind of Mm -hmm. be in the moment and not thinking, oh, what did I do yesterday or how many patients do I have tomorrow and and that sort of stuff. I think when you're running your own practice like this, especially a practice where, like you said, Anne, if you don't work, you're not getting paid, you know, Mm -hmm. but if also if you don't take the time for yourself, you're going to burn yourself out and then you definitely won't get paid. That's right. (laughs) You know, it's easy. uh Karen, it's easy to miss the forest for the trees. Yeah. You can get so, you can be so focused on trying to, and I quote, make your business fly, mm-hmm. end quote, that, that you, you lose sight of the fact that, that time to step back and look at it from a big picture uh, is definitely necessary. Yeah. You have to be able to step back not only personally, but even just from patient care in terms of the business itself and be able to say, okay, so... This is going to be work. There's going to be a different type of work, mm-hmm. and it requires me to kind of shift gears a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And mm-hmm. um, another just quick question for you guys. How long are your treatment sessions? I'm Mine always at an hour. An hour? Alan, how long I'm are you at? An hour. In the same way. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, you know, Initially I do they'll always come in for 45 minutes to an hour, uh, but with that said... Uh, and with there being a fairly large component of education and mentorship mm-hmm. and uh, uh, follow-up in, in other ways, oftentimes their follow-ups will come down to, you know, 30 to 45 minutes or even 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. And I have, we're going to take a quick break in a second, but um, I have a question from Nick Nordvet, who's also on Twitter. And so you guys can kind of think about this over the break here. And it's how do you quote unquote sell cash based businesses to your patients? And do you recommend any clinical skills to set a cash based PT practice apart from an insurance based? So the question is really how do you sell to someone, listen, I you know, I don't take insurance, you're gonna pay me cash, credit card check, what have you. So think about that over the break, and when we come back, we'll get the answers. So everybody stay tuned. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you suffering from aches and pains? Has traditional medicine let you down? Are you tired of taking toxic medications? Then come to the Double Diamond Wellness Center and learn how our natural methods can help you to heal. Call us now at 212-721-8183. That's 212-721-8183. Or find us on the web at www.doublediamondwellness.com. We look forward to serving you. Hi, I'm Austin Marola. And I'm Sloan Wainwright. We're the hosts of the new Thursday morning show, The Music Power Power Hour, Hour. at 11 a.m. We're going to have fun. And shine the light on all aspects of music. And its limitless healing possibilities. We're going to invite artists to share their songs and play live. We'll be listening and talking about great music from yesterday to today. So you're invited to share in our musical conversation. Your ears will be delighted with the sound of music. And our voices. Join Austin and Sloan live Thursdays at 11 a.m. on TalkingAlternative.com. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Welcome back to Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart. I'm your host, Karen Litzy, and today we are talking uh, business PT, or 
hashtag BizPT, as it is on Twitter. And I am talking today with Alan Besselink and Ann Wendell, and we're talking about having a cash-based physical therapy practice or a non-insurance-based physical therapy practice. So, Alan, before we left for the break, I had a question from Nick on Twitter, and it is, how do you, quote-unquote, sell a cash-based practice to patients? And do you recommend any... Well, let's start with that first, and we'll go to the next question. So how do you sell your cash-based business? Um, If I said carefully, would that be appropriate? Sure. Um, (laughs) First of all, thanks to Nick for the question. Nick, as as Ann has spoken with Zach over time, I have had the opportunity to speak with Nick a number of times with regards to these sorts of things. How you start is a challenge. Um, I I have gone down the route uh, a couple of different ways. I have diversified my practice. Uh, in terms of the things that I offer within my business as a whole. So that, that provides a, a broader perspective. Uh, I, I quite simply go about the angle of I know that you're going to pay and I know that you're going to, that you're going to look for an outcome. And I will, will uh, speak directly to the issue of outcome versus insurance, which is, uh, if you are using your insurance, uh, much as we may not want to talk about this, but if there are a number of visits approved, they'll oftentimes get used, mm-hmm. regardless of the regardless of the, the treatment, the outcome, whatever. There is very little accountability in that regard. Uh, when you're in a cash-based environment, you're you're very accountable because now hard-earned money is going into care. Mm-hmm. So I will have that conversation directly with uh, patients and, and certainly uh, people that are referring to me because I think it's, it's very important. Yeah, I, I agree. And Anne, how about you? How do you quote-unquote sell your biz? Well, I, I think that the most important thing in my experience is the initial phone call um, or email that a patient, potential patient is going to send or whatever um, because I've learned, you know, when they say, do you take Blue Cross Blue Shield? My answer is not, no, I don't take insurance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My answer is, we're out of network with Blue Cross Blue Shield. Yep. Um, let me tell you why and have a little conversation. Um, but, you know, I also take the tactic of explaining to them that most traditional physical therapy clinics are going to see you two to three times a week for 12 weeks. Let's just say that's your standard script. Mm-hmm. Um you know, patients' co-pays are getting higher and higher. So they're usually between twenty and fifty dollars a visit. So if your copay is fifty dollars and you've got to go three times a week, you pretty much just paid for your first visit with me. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to see you for an hour, one-on-one. I don't use any um, ancillary staff, and we're going to do what you need to get better versus what your insurance company tells me we can do. Right. So you know, and I typically see patients once a week. I give them things to do on their own. Um, I'll talk with their personal trainer or their boot camp instructor and things like that so that they can be doing appropriate things outside of their visits with me. But I don't need to see people three times a week. I see you once usually for an hour. And so in the end, you may actually end up saving money because you're going to do fewer visits and it's fewer times a week. Yeah, and I, I agree. And, and and that's kind of the way the way that I usually talk to patients. And it was funny, over the over the commercial, I was talking to our producer here, Sam Leibowitz, about how do, how do I sell my practice? And I was like, oh, oh, I don't. I have to say, I don't really sell it, you know, which is, which is a good thing. Because um, mm-hmm. I usually get referrals from former patients or referrals from doctors. And patients, at least here in New York City, are more than willing to kind of pay the out-of-network price um, for that, like you said, and that one-on-one hour of treatment, um, that very individualized sort of special treatment that they get. So I think that the way you interact with your patient, and like you said, from the first phone call to the eval and through their treatment is how you're really selling it. Because then that person's going to say, you know, I got the best treatment from Ann, or I went to this guy, Alan, and it was amazing, and he spent a whole hour with me. That's who you need to go to see. 
So I feel like technically right. your treatment and the way that you are with your patient is what is selling you. So that's that's the way I sort of sell my practice. The, the other piece of that is that, uh, and this, is, this came up a little bit earlier, but uh, I think that your personal brand is something that, uh, and that's not just the logo with your business right. and, and those sorts of things associated with it. Your right. personal brand in terms of what you stand for mm-hmm. is hugely important. I've had people that, have, that I have eventually seen in the office who, uh, when you ask them, you know, how did you find out about me, where did you hear about me, those sorts of things, they say, well, I've been reading your website for quite a while now, mm-hmm. and <laughs> they know that, and they know who I am, and in terms of not just uh, what I do, but uh, developing a level of trust, and mm-hmm. this guy is sharing what he knows, he's giving us something to under, to to uh, to work with, we get to know him as as a brand himself, and I think that that is uh, certainly one thing that I found you know, over the, the years that I've been writing online. Uh, it, it is a huge uh, element, and I'm sure Anne, uh, with her Twitter presence and her website, can can certainly attest to that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I think you know whatever. It, it's funny. Someone said to me one time. I said, well, what is your brand? Well, I don't have a brand. I'm not a shoe company. And it's oh. like, well, you know, if you're not going <laughs> to um, define your brand, somebody else is going to define it for you. Yeah. And everybody else might be defining it for you. So every single thing you do, you know, from your logo to your marketing to your Twitter presence and, you know, the stuff that you blog about, all of that needs to be consistent because mm-hmm. you're always putting out a message about who you are and why you're doing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And people pay attention to that. Yeah, yeah. And they will pay attention to every little post that you put up on Twitter, if you have a Facebook page, what have you. You know, you'd be surprised at how much people are tuning in to maybe see what, what you're going to do next. And so you want to be very consistent with your branding, and that's really what is going to also get people to come to you. Like Alan said, people's oh, I've been reading your website consistently for years. So when I hurt myself, I knew exactly who I was going to go to because perhaps his brand and his ideals align with their thought processes and their ideals. So I think... And Karen, that is, that is a huge element. I mean, much as all of us, I'm sure, would like to, to believe that uh, one of the number one things that people would come to us is for the quality of service, those sure. sorts of things. Those are the things we hold near and dear to ourselves professionally. Mm-hmm. But I can tell you that a lot of the folks who walk in the door, uh, if I didn't know them to start with, they feel like they, they have established that, that, that relationship by the things that they've already seen mm-hmm. via social media. Uh, they already have an understanding of who I am as a person. Mm-hmm. And that drives it just as much as your clinical skills. Yeah, absolutely. Because, yeah. you know, there are a lot of great PTs out there, you know, and a lot of great PTs who have wonderful skills. But if you're not putting yourself out there and you're not, like you said, have a well-defined brand, like Ann said, someone else is going to define it for you or you're just going to get lost, you know, because there's a sea of well, physical and again, therapists I think that out goes there. back to the mentoring and things that we yeah. were talking about earlier, you know, just understanding the fact that people are always watching and listening and, and you may not get comments back on your blog and, you know, Alan probably feels the same way. So I feel like sometimes no one's reading and I'm oh, like, they're reading. there's just crickets in the background. Yeah. And, you know, I've had people come up to me at different conferences or events and say, oh, I really, I love your blog. And I'm like, what? what? <laughs> really? Blog. Me? <laughs> it's kind of an odd feeling, but yeah, people yeah. Are, are listening and so... Um, yeah, we just we need to be consistent 100% of the time with what we're doing. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, that uh, uh, Jerry Durham, who was on the show a couple of weeks ago, um, and I think we might have already answered this, but his question was, what is your pitch? But I think we've kind of, I don't know, do you, I think that's sort of the same as kind of how you sell it, you know. But here's a question. What is your pitch? I'm going to expand on that a little bit. To if you're meeting physicians, you know, because a lot of I know I don't know what I I think you guys both have direct direct access, but it is different in different states. I know here in New York we have direct access with a lot of, I guess, 
strings attached, so to speak. Um, so that doctor well, relationship say, is still important. I don't think important. any of the three of us actually have direct access, but that's just... <laughs> well, not direct, yeah, direct. Yeah, yeah, yeah I mean... What I think is important in, in that, uh, to extend what Anne said, is that I think that when we talk about that, uh, we need to ask a consumer whether or not they have it and whether they're told they have it or not. Yeah. Uh, when when uh, the rubber meets the road, as they say here in Texas, uh if you ask the consumer, they'll tell you, no, I can't just pick and choose and do whatever. That's, and yeah. until, uh, until those things are addressed, it's pretty, it's pretty difficult for you to be able to actually go and, and uh, uh, do these things directly with the patient. Right. So, so therefore, you know, the physical therapist-doctor relationship is important. It needs to be there. So how do you guys pitch a doctor about your practice? So, Anne, go ahead. I'll have you go first. Um, well, one thing I would say is that um, physician-owned physical therapy clinics are legal in Virginia, oh. and they are everywhere. Bummer. They're probably two really big practices. So um, pitching to docs isn't always the best way to go because they are usually sending people to their own place. Mm. Um, what end up what ends up happening for me is that I see a lot of the patients who have gone through traditional physical therapy and maybe not gotten better mm-hmm. or been discharged just because they can walk up and down the stairs or something, but they want right. to go play tennis. Right. And those tend to be the patients that I get, um, patients who have either failed other treatment or have chronic issues. Um, you know, the people who just need a little bit more. So I think the docs kind of know me for that. Mm-hmm. Um, they know that I do some things that maybe some of the other therapists don't do. I do trigger point dry needling. I do Pilates. So I kind of pitch it to them in that way and, mm-hmm. and just, you know, every once in a while I'll look at it and say, well, you know, typically I treat a frozen shoulder patient less than 10 visits, and mm-hmm. your visits over here at your place are probably 25 to 30 mm-hmm. visits for the mm-hmm. same issue. Mm-hmm. Um, but, of course, they don't really want to be told that. So I try to stick right. to, you know, the fun stuff that goes on over here that they don't have over there. All right. And how about you, Alan? How do you sort of pitch? Well, I think that there's a harsh reality here, and that is that uh, that uh, we are seeing a growing number of physician-owned practices. Mm-hmm. Um, I work with an active population, uh, mm-hmm. primarily um, well, a good number of runners, uh, triathletes, that sort of uh, group of people. And it's almost a moot point in many regards uh, to go uh, to discuss this with many uh, of the orthopedists because uh, there's a growing number of them and have their own practices. Mm. So uh, the harsh reality of that is that that really doesn't exist as much as perhaps it did 10 or 15 or 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And you have to market directly to the, to the patient, which sure. is why access to care is such an important issue. Yeah. Because if you don't have that, then you can market all you want, but Nobody's there's an arbitrary rule that says, Bob, but you still can't go for treatment or you can or whatever. Right. Uh, I always find it fascinating to me, Anne, how uh, you uh, you mentioned that you, you see the failed other, other therapies. I'm in the same boat. Uh, my uh, my humor in that is, well, why if I'm the one that's going to end up seeing them eventually, why don't I see them to start with? Mm. Right. I mean, let's just not spend 30 visits and, uh, uh, and and cost the system that much. Why don't we fine-tune this? However, as Ann mentioned, that's not the way it works necessarily. Right, right. Yeah. So, okay, I got it. I didn't realize you guys had so many, like, physician-to-owned practices. That's kind of a bummer. Um, I mean, we have that here, I think, a little bit in New York, but I feel like here in New York there's a lot more physical therapy-owned practices and there are physician-owned practices. Um, At any rate, uh, we're going to take a quick break and uh, we'll be right back after these messages. So everybody stay tuned. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. All 
Are you stuck in your business or career? Trying to take your business to the next level and it keeps hitting a wall? This is Sam Leibowitz, the Conscious Consultant. I will help you get to the root cause of your abundance issues and help move you forward in your life. Call me now and let's create the future you dream of. 212-721-8183. That's 212-721-8183. The Conscious Consultant, helping conscious people be better business people. Have you ever considered consulting a roadmap when you feel you need help getting to your destination? When the normal path seems blocked, a little help can come in handy when choosing an alternate route. Your natal chart is a map of your potentials. It addresses relationships, finance, business, health, and above all, creativity. Current planetary cycles can either support or challenge your objectives. I'm Montgomery Taylor. If you would like to explore the help of a private astrological reading, please contact me at Monty at MontyTaylor.com. That's Monty, M-O-N-T-Y, at MontyTaylor.com. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. Welcome back to Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart. I'm your host, Karen Litzy. I'm joined today by Ann Wendell and Alan Besselink, both physical therapists, both with their own non-insurance-based practices. So, Ann, let me, and, and uh, you know, this is an interesting question and something that uh, I've gotten myself, but what are the... and what are the major sort of legal ramifications, if there are any, of running a cash-based versus an insurance-based practice? Um, well, you know, that's interesting because uh, I think there's a kind of big misconception that um, those of us who are cash-based don't have to follow any rules, and we're kind of like these renegades out there in the right. Wild West just doing what we want to do. Mm-hmm. And I love when I get the, the statement like, it's so great, you guys don't have to deal with all of the documentation issues that right. the rest of us have. And, you know, obviously, <laughs> we do. Yeah. I mean, really, there's nothing different about the way we, we do things. We still are bound to our State Practice Act and, mm-hmm. um, you know, Code of Ethics and all of that stuff. So uh, legal ramifications, I mean, the tough thing when you're setting up the business, at least for me and Alan, you know, probably might feel the same way, there's really not anybody to ask questions of. And I took my little business idea down to City Hall to get a uh, business license, and mm-hmm. they were kind of like, huh, physical therapist. <laughs> what? <Okay."> and <laughs> they're like, well, you don't need the health department to come out and inspect because you're not doing massage, and you might need this, and you need this building permit. And I think the thing is that we're kind of paving the road here and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for other people hopefully to follow. And for me it was kind of just, trying to assemble all of the best information I could and then just being like, I'm going to just go. And if somebody tells me I'm doing something wrong, um, you know, I'll have to fix it. But, you know, I obviously talked with an attorney and an accountant and things Mm -hmm. like that. But I really don't think that it's much different than anything else uh, anybody would be doing in a small business. I would say that a lot of PTs do not understand that they cannot see Medicare patients out of pocket. Yes, I was just going to bring that up. And... Yeah, that's the big thing that I get questions about all the time on my blog or, you know, email. Right. Um, I don't know why, but it hasn't – I would say our organization has not done a real good job of explaining those things. And and they actually have just come out with some some recent statements, so I'll take that back. But – but, yeah, I mean, for people to just understand that we still do have to follow all of those rules. Right, right. And and so it means that, you know, as, if, as a cash-based business, you can't, the only way you can see a Medicare patient is if it, you can accept cash for a Medicare patient if they are considered maintenance. 
and your documentation has to show that they're maintenance. Is, am I correct in saying that? Correct. Or if they're coming for um, wellness visits, which is right. what I end up seeing them for. Um, right. You know, I'll see them for just supervised exercise yes. and not hands-on kind That's of right. thing. That's and, right. And I believe it's true if they've reached the cap and there's no exception that you can also see them. But I, quite honestly, I just don't. Yeah. I only see them for wellness. Yeah, yeah. And how about you, Alan? What are the major legal ramifications that you've come across, if any? I think the only thing that I could add to, to what Ann said is uh, that there is a lot of learning as you go. Uh, there's not really a, it's not like you can pick up the, the guide to starting your own PT practice. Uh, there's not one um, of those dummies we, for PT practice books? Yeah, yeah PT practices for dummies. Yeah, that yeah, would be yeah. a great one. <laughs> Alan, you and I need to get on that and I'll have something slow down. <laughs> this might be a retirement option, actually. Um, but seriously, there really isn't, uh, and this goes back to one of the first questions, it, some of these things that, that we'd like to be able to teach people uh, in school, uh, a lot of this stuff has been very experiential. Yeah. Uh, you kind of learn as you turn the next corner. Yep. Um, I think that the Medicare issue certainly doesn't, I just don't, uh, I don't get uh, that certain population uh, calling me, mm-hmm. uh, so I don't see much of it. I don't get exposed to it. But all of those things are are are, are pretty consistent across the board. It's uh, it's just unfortunate that uh, sadly you do have to just dive in and, and and kind of find find out where you're going from there. Right, right. And one. So here's another another question as we kind of wrap this up. Is what I guess. I didn't. I asked you sort of what defines a cash base and, and all that kind of stuff, but what what is your sort of best advice to someone who is, let's say, not a new graduate, but you've been working for a couple of years and you're thinking about doing this? What is the let's say I don't maybe neither one of you have made any mistakes, but what was the one big mistake that maybe? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe not. What is the one, what is the biggest mistake you made that you really learned from that you'd say to people, hey, you know something? I did A, B, C, and D, and I would never do it again. So, Alan, I'll, I'll start with you this time. What was, like, your biggest uh, mistake? Karen, I knew you were going to start with me on this one. Um, Where to start? <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, this show isn't long enough uh, to answer that question. Well, you only we only uh, have about five minutes here, so. <laughs> I'm not really sure that I can put a finger on it. You know, uh-huh. it's um, it's pretty tough. It really is hard to to stop and reflect on. Okay, so. If I hadn't done that, would things have been different? Mm. I think it, I try to avoid that across the board, honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's just my own personal approach to things. I try to learn from them as I go uh, and then just kind of commit that to life experience. And, yep, I'm glad I experienced it because I learned from it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm not really sure that I could give you one item that um, uh, was the most important. Maybe... If anything, make sure that you're uh, make sure that you're always working on your personal brand, and mm-hmm. don't hesitate to let people know who you are. Mm-hmm. And that's not just your clinical skills. That's yeah. the fact that uh, you know you have uh, a life and um, and those sorts of things. Because I really think that developing that trust in whatever way that you can do so is huge. That wasn't a mistake I made, but that's definitely one of the takeaways in terms of if you're going to do something, definitely be building that twenty four seven. Great. And Anne, what about you? Well, uh, unlike Alan, I can actually put my finger on exactly what I would tell Uh anyone not to do, which is what I did, um, which is decide I was fed up and I quit my job and started my business with no patients on my schedule and not very much savings in the bank. Oh, yeah, that's not good. (laughs) So I would say don't do that, although... It was quite a motivator because it was like, well, um, this thing needs to fly. So, you know, if you can do it a little bit here and there, um, mm-hmm. you know, maybe start seeing some clients on your own. Maybe start mm-hmm. seeing some wellness-based clients. Mm-hmm. Kind of test the waters. Find out what the competition is. What What's the market like? Um, and then maybe be a little smarter than me and, and stick some money away in the bank. But um, I tend to just get excited about things and be a little bit more impulsive and, and uh-huh. somehow it works 
but um, it probably wouldn't work for everybody to do that. All right, and I think. Well, that's... And if it's any consolation, I'm in the same boat with you. I just didn't look at it as a as a mistake as uh... much as a well, that was interesting. <laughs> uh, I I did the same yeah, I think thing. My whole uh, family thinks it's interesting. <laughs> well, that's a polite way of putting it. Uh, I did the same thing, and uh, I just look back at it and think, well, you know, yeah, could you prep? Could you prep forever? Sure, you could. Mm-hmm. However. Yeah. Uh, you can stand around thinking about these things forever, and you'll never have yeah. a good time to do it. Yeah. So yeah. in that regard, uh, I, I applaud Anne for, for saying that because you just got to jump in. Yeah. I mean, sure, you got to have good reasoning and good rationale and all that stuff, but there is a point at which you just got to say, I'm done, I'm, I'm in, yeah. I'm all in. Yeah. Yeah. I'm all yeah. in. And, and, you know, on that note, um, we are done. This hour flew by. Um, so, uh, Alan, uh, people, if they want to reach you via Twitter, it's A Besselink. That's A B E S S E L I N K, at, at A Besselink on Twitter. And you can also find him www.allenbesselink.com. And Ann Wendell is at Prana PT. And, Ann, what is your website for your? Your clinic? Uh, it's www.prana-pt.com. Great. And thank you both for joining me. And, and unfortunately, the hour went by so quickly. So thank you both. And I really appreciate Thanks, you guys. Karen. You're welcome. I appreciate Thanks you guys much. taking the time out of your day. Um, it was fun. Great. And, Alan, wonderful. thank you so much. And next week is going to be part two of Cash-Based Businesses with Dr. Jared Carter. So um, everybody tune in for that. Have a great week and stay healthy, wealthy, and smart. You are listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Hi, I'm Dana. And I'm Don. We We are are certified certified mediators. mediators. And I am a family and couples licensed therapist and author of Please Don't Buy Me Ice Cream. Our show, New Beginnings, is about helping you and your family recover financially and emotionally and start the beginning of your life. We'll answer your questions on divorce, family court, co-parenting, personal development, new relationships, blending families, and more. Dana and I will bring you to a place of empowerment and belief that even though marriages may end, families are forever. Join us every Monday starting September 10th at 10 a.m. on TalkingAlternative.com. Are you suffering from aches and pains? Has traditional medicine let you down? Are you tired of taking toxic medications? Then come to the Double Diamond Wellness Center and learn how our natural methods can help you to heal. Call us now at 212-721-8183. That's 212-721-8183. Or find us on the web at www.doublediamondwellness.com. We look forward to serving you. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network at www.talkingalternative.com. Now, broadcasting 24 hours a day. Talking Alternative. This is Tony Martinetti, the aptly named host of Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio. Big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. Technology, fundraising, compliance, social media. Small and medium nonprofits have needs in all these areas. My guests are expert in all these areas and more. Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio. Fridays, 1 to 2 Eastern, on Talking Alternative Broadcasting. Are you fed up with talking points rhetoric? Everywhere you turn, it's left or right spin, ideology, no reality. In fact, it's ideology over intellect. No more. It's time for the truth. Join me, Larry Sharp, a.k.a. The Neo Sage, Tuesday nights, 9 to 11 Eastern, for the Ivory Tower radio program. In the Ivory Tower, we'll discuss what's important to you, society, politics, business, and family. It's provocative talk for the realist and the skeptic who want to know what's really going on, what does it mean, and what can be done about it. So gain special access to the Ivory Tower and listen to me, Larry Sharp, your Neosage, 
Tuesday nights, 9 to 11, New York time. Go to ivorytowerradio.com for details. That's ivorytowerradio.com. The Ivory Tower is a great place to visit for both entertainment and education. Listen in, Tuesday nights, 9 to 11. It will make you smarter. TalkingAlternative.com 